The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we thank you that uh, the victorious name of Jesus, we gather around, we celebrate, and we praise today. Lord, thank you that we can stand in victory, we can walk in victory. Thank you that grave is empty and you robbed that. We just praise you for that, Father. In your powerful name, amen. Hey, you can have a seat. How are we doing? Good. Yes. Good. I try to get, I, I, when I move around to different places in the auditorium, I get a different vibe. I got to tell you, my little front row over here is the happiest place in the auditorium, though. Uh, just if anybody ever wants to join me over there, you're, you're welcome to do that. But um, we are going to go to uh, the book of Joshua again, chapter 3. Today is Crossing the Jordan Day. Are you excited? Okay, now, if you still think crossing the Jordan means dying... <laughs> <laughs> Probably not real excited, uh, but today is uh, the day when the children of it, we're going to study about the children of Israel going through. So we're going to look at chapter three. In fact, we're going to read that whole thing uh, in a second here. I wanted to share, I guess, a little bit of a personal note to start with. I have been really since some of you remember last summer we we're going through the book of Revelation, but I've been excited about getting to Joshua and talking, uh, teaching through that, and studying through that with you. And I've had a little prayer on my heart uh, that I wanted to share with you, dear, dear Lord. And I don't usually actually even write out the prayers, but this is what I've been praying. I, I did write, write it out this week. Uh, raise up an army of people who will roll up their sleeves, invest their gifts, their time, their treasure to help your church become what you have called us to be. And I wanted to share just a couple thoughts about that as I've prayed that. First of all, um, when I first wrote it, instead of saying your church, I, I wrote the word community there, uh, our church, you know, this church. And then I, I kind of uh, processed that a little bit and, and realized that uh, there's a bigger picture than that. There's all God's church. I'll talk about that more in the future. But also, you know, just as I looked at that, it, it challenged my heart. Um, what, what's my job? I'm pastor. The other word the Bible uses is... Shepherd, okay? I heard somebody say shepherd, overseer, what, what, like that. Uh, there's no place where you really think of a shepherd taking a whip. You know, hey, come on, uh, get moving. And you don't visualize that. Come here, a little bit. Uh, I don't know what a sheep's name is. Bambi, I was going to say, that's a deer. Uh, come here, uh, get, get moving. But, uh, you know, you don't really visualize that as far as somebody taking a whip and, and get moving the sheep along. Uh, you see more of a loving. You do see a staff that maybe is, hey, move on along a little bit. In fact, there are even stories of shepherds who would have to break the leg of a sheep for their own good because they were wandering off. And, you know, there is some sternness involved there, but there's not the crack the whip. Okay, there is more, and that really challenged my heart from the standpoint of I want to figure out, hey, what is the best way to shepherd people moving forward? And in the case today, specifically, what does it look like in our own spiritual lives to cross the Jordan, to get moving? Okay, so we're going to go ahead and read through this uh, passage here, which is, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read all, all of that, but I kind of want you, to, you know, just to keep in mind the old army slogan. Uh, God has called us to be all that we can be. 
I, I, I was looking at that this week. They're bringing that back. Did you know that? The Army's bringing that back. It's either, it's either February or March. Uh, it's coming out because apparently they're a little low on numbers lately, and this worked. So they're bringing it back. Uh, be all you can be. But that, that idea of be all that God has called us to be, that be all that God wants us to, to experience as far as this victorious living has really been on my heart just to make sure that we don't get satisfied, that we don't get status quo is okay, uh, this is good enough just to push forward. And as I teach and preach the Word of God, I'm going to borrow a dream that I heard another pastor share. It's his dream. I can't share my dreams because they, they make absolutely no sense. Uh, it would just be confusing. You'd be recommending me for therapy right, right, right away. You know, I've got people from way in the past and people from recent, and they're in a place that's not the same as it should be. And there's always weird things. I always wake up and say, what? Uh, what, what was that? But I did hear a pastor share a dream he said he had of a great meal that was prepared for the church. And everybody got together like that. But the weird thing he said, that is everybody in the whole congregation had their arms in casts there where they could not bend their elbows. So the meal was prepared and laid before them, and of course they, <laughs> you know, what can you do? And he said it took a while, and finally they figured out that the only way they were going to eat this great meal was to serve each other uh, like that. And I think there is a calling, uh, you know, on my part to, to help us do that. You know, yes, I'm supposed to cook and prepare a meal, if you will, as far as even a sermon and teaching the Word of God. But more than anything, I've got to encourage us to serve each other. So I'm glad he had that dream because uh, mine wouldn't make that sense, uh, that much sense. Let's go ahead and read through Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. I heard preachers pronouncing it that way, and it's safer. Uh, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. Okay, so they come to the Jordan. They're sitting there, and at the end of how long? Three days, remember that. The officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, wait. But when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. You can stay there three days. When the Ark goes, you go. And there, uh, I'm sorry, yet there shall be a distance, uh, um, and it is about 2,000 cubits in length. Uh, cubit is about a foot and a half. This is somewhere uh, just over a half a mile, okay? So they get about half a mile out there. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Then Joshua said, today I will begin to exalt. I'm sorry, the Lord said to Joshua, we'll get it right. Uh, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel so they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the covenant when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan you shall stand still in the Jordan and Joshua said to the people of Israel come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God and Joshua said here is how you shall know that the okay what does he call God the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into Jordan. 
Now, therefore, take 12 men from each of the tribes of Israel, from each tribe, I'm sorry, yeah, take each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, another name for God there, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. Here's what's going to happen. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in a heap. And so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, and now it was a time when the Jordan overflows during the, during the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is uh, beside Zarethan. And those flowing down towards the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea as we would know it, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Okay, now I want to go back through and point out a couple things that really I feel like, you know, God kind of highlighted to me, and hopefully I can highlight them to you as we go through this. And this first one, oh boy. <laughs> All right, I've told you before I am the world's worst salesman. Okay, I've told you that, right? The car's in my driveway, people stop, I come out with a list, here's what's wrong with it. You say, well, you're just honest. No, that's not it, I don't know what it is, I'm just weird. Uh, so I, ju I just come out and, yeah, the carpet's torn here and the radio doesn't work here and you know, different things like that. I'm not a good salesman. And I really looked at this passage and I thought, okay, here I am saying, okay, let's go. Let's go, let's move forward. This first point's gonna stink for that, I gotta tell you, right off the bat. I, I don't know how else to say it, but I wanna keep it real. Okay, every promise, we'll say it like, like that, has a Jordan River. Now, I want you to think about some of the promises of God in Scripture. Okay, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and through, all, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Okay, I'm, first of all, I'm going to give you children and children and grandchildren and everything like that. There's going to be a great nation. Did that happen? Yes. Did the, did the Messiah, the Christ, come through Abraham's uh, family? Yes, all that happened. Did that happen right away? Say no. Okay. Uh, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation, but first you're going to have some decades of barrenness and heartache. Ooh. David, I'm going to make you king over Israel, buddy. Okay, you are going to be the greatest of the kings. I got a promise for you. I guarantee that. And uh, the next day, David was on the throne, right? No. David had to experience incredible uh, struggle with Saul and then later on with his own son. And David would be out of the throne for a while and finally come to that place. Not easy. Even the promise of the Messiah, if you think about that, did it come without cost, without pain? Far from it. We could go through a long series of that, but basically we just remember you think about the cross itself and Jesus is on there. So now I, I think I can say that very confidently from Scripture but personal experience can tell me this too. And again, talking very candidly, I don't know how many times, but there have been many times in my life when I have made a decision for God that uh, I would say, hey, this is a level of commitment to him and obedience for him that I want to step into. And everything got so easy and perfect from that day on. Wrong. 
Okay, and some of you, I, I, see, I see your heads moving here because you can relate. Sometimes you think, well, that's how it should be, right? I mean, you step in and all of a sudden everything's going to get easy. Uh, listen, I cannot tell you exactly why it is like that. I can tell you that it is like that. Very possibly it is because we have amnesia. And uh, we forget when things get easy, we forget how much we need God, and we forget that it's for Him and His glory. Very possibly it's because when we step out for God, we've kind of awakened the enemy, and uh, here, here we go, now i got to worry about you. I don't know exactly why, but I am going to tell you that rough times often come with commitment. I'm thinking right now of a couple people that are part of our church that I've watched that happen recently where they jump in, you know, full bait, let me go, I want to plug in for God. In fact, I think I can say this. I think my wife and Josh will know who I'm talking about, but I don't think anybody else. But I was thinking of one person in particular that I think is sitting in the hospital this morning with a family member that's ill and uh, tried to jump into everything and, and get involved and, and has faced opposition like that. Again, good salesman, huh? <laughs> hey, uh, I, I've, got, I've got great things for you. But, uh, but again, I want to be very honest about it. Sometimes there's a cost that comes with stepping into, I shouldn't say sometimes. Uh, if you study American history, you may be familiar. You've, most of you have heard of the Emancipation Proclamation. You're familiar with that. It was actually, we'll say, ratified or made official by the 13th Amendment. That amendment was ratified just after the Civil War. It was, it was voted on early while the Civil War was still going on, but by the time it was ratified, it was the end of 19, uh, 1865, and uh, that was passed to free the slaves. You probably remember this if you think back to your old American history class, but when the slaves were free, not all of them chose to live in that freedom. And uh, I looked it up to try to get a, a close number. I, I can say with confidence, I, I won't say most of them chose to stay in slavery, but I can say many, many chose to stay in slavery. And part of it was there was a great price towards stepping out in that freedom. It was not an easy road to go. And they decided to stay where they were. And many times that's where we are. There, uh, the, and to follow God and to do hard things in spite of circumstances and obeying him in spite of consequences. Again, I can't promise you easy street. Wish, wish I could, but I can't do that. I want you to think about this here for a second here. There, there it is, the microwave oven. When, when do you think the microwave was uh, first started? They take a shot. 50s, it was the 60s, 67, Amanda introduced the first microwave. I was in, uh, we have Upward over at Granger Christian. I don't know what direction I'm pointing. That way, I think. Uh, but uh, we, we were up there yesterday, and they have in their cafeteria a row of microwaves. It's, I think they have at least 15 in there that the kids can use to warm up their Yeah. Now, I'm not usually paranoid about things like that, but I thought, I wouldn't want to be here when all the babies are fired up. It's a radiation zone that wouldn't be too, too, too great. But also... It, you know, when you think about cooking, some, cooking, warming up something in the microwave, if you're really into having things taste well, that's not the way you want to go. Okay? I said this before. You get a good pizza, you bring it home. Well, have the leftovers. Well, you, what you want to do, my wife will do this. She'll go and get the oven going, and you put it in there, stuff like that. Me, I pop it in the microwave. And uh, 30 seconds, it's ready to go. It tastes like garbage, but it's ready to go. Uh, and it's warm. And then, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, too, but if you do cook something in the microwave, and then if you don't eat it right away, it gets hard. 
That there's something wrong with that. <laughs> I'm just saying that ain't natural. Something's happening there that isn't all that good. But as much as we know that the microwave is not going to produce the results that we want, it's quick and it's easy, and that's the path that we take a lot of times is the, is the microwave. And here's the thing: sometimes in life we're trying to microwave a great marriage, but it doesn't happen. It takes commitment and work. It takes paying a price. We try to microwave godly children. Again, can't do it. I try to microwave my spiritual life. You know, give me one, one thing and, and I'm going to do this and everything is going to be good and on fire. We want to make it as easy as possible. And I just want to remind you that's not the case. I'm going to encourage small groups this week to discuss, hey, what does the hard work look like when it comes to a great marriage? Isn't that a romantic thought? <laughs> it's hard work, baby. Uh, I'll save that for Valentine's Day next week. Uh, this ain't easy, but we're going to make it. But it really is the truth, isn't it? And so often we want easy street. I am telling you from the beginning, every promise has a Jordan. Okay? In other words, there's a price to be paid. Secondly, every, I'm sorry, God's presence in it is everything. And, and maybe you take this as the main idea. You, th you think about the children of Israel going into the Jordan. It's kind of like a parent standing there and saying, okay, you can go down and play on the beach, but do not go into the water until I get there, right? God says to the children of Israel, you ain't going uh, anywhere unless I'm leading. And this is an idea that is repeated throughout Scripture. Different uh, leaders for God would stand and say, God, I don't want to go if you're not there. I don't want to go if you're not ahead of me. How incredibly crucial the presence of God is you know, looking forward to what he would have, have for us. Let's think about what it was that uh, symbolized the presence of God. By the way, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had the tabernacle, which was the miniature version, if you want to say, of the temple that they had. It was temp uh, temporary, set up until the temple was built. And so many of those things in there represented God, and it's a great study. But the, the centerpiece of that, if you will, was what is called the Ark of the Covenant. And everybody has heard of that, even if you've never stepped foot around anything that has to do with God before, you've Indiana Jones, come on, you've heard of the Ark of the Covenant. Just so we kind of have a vision here, the dimensions of it was about 48 inches wide like that, or long if you want to say, 27 deep and 27 high. So it was about the size of a, a good-sized cedar chest, if you want to set you know, a chest like that that they would have. In it were three things. You may know what they, what they were. In there was a copy of the Ten Commandments, God's law. By the way, did you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of that law? Just thought I'd throw that out there. A second thing in there is Aaron's rod that budded, which is a part of the whole choosing process, which, by the way, did you know that Jesus was the chosen one of God? Uh, and then the third thing in there, of course, was manna, which was how the children of Israel had survived in the wilderness. And by the way, did you know that Jesus is the bread of life? I just thought I'd throw that in there. Everything that pictured, uh, you know, Jesus is also in there. And then on the top of this, you would find the stains of blood because the high priest would go in there with the blood of a sacrifice and offer it, and it would have been a blood-soaked top of that to represent the fact uh, that uh, the sacrifice that God would make in the person of Jesus Christ, but to, to represent there so it would be blood-stained. Now, on top of that, too, were what, the cherubims and, and a place in front of that that, that is regarded as the, the dwelling place of God. But God said, I want this to go before you. Okay, before you go there, I want you, uh, uh, before you step into this victorious life. And that is why I think it is so crucial that 
we emphasize, and I continue to preach the importance of your personal connection with God. Jumping into the life of service for God without that personal connection with Him is not a great combination. And remember, I, I, I stopped for a second. There were several names of God that Joshua gave through here that were great, but one that stood out to me was he called him the living God. Joshua said the living God. And I wanted to just contrast the living God with the other gods of that day. And the psalmist did that beautifully in Psalm 115. He said, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. Don't miss this phrase. He does as he pleases. He is God. There are Idols are silver, gold, works of human hands. They have mouths, they don't speak. They have eyes, they don't see. They have ears, they don't hear. Noses, they don't smell. They have hands, they don't feel. Feet, they don't walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So all who trust, so do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And, and Psalm 115 just gives us a great contrast there of a God that is created by man compared to the living God. Okay. And this is, this is crucial, folks, because, okay, I, I don't want to oversimplify, but so many situations where people are struggling with spirituality, they're struggling with God, Bottom line is, I have the same struggle we all do. I don't want a God. Because if I have a God, then I'm not God. He's God. And so often we think, oh, I don't like the way God's doing this. God, you have to. God, you know, you can't do that. I want to encourage you, if that is a struggle that you have, to go to the book of Job. I mentioned, you know, my devotion had me reading through that last month. It is just so powerful to watch Job's writings in there. And if you go through, you could skip to the parts where Job's talking because Job is incredibly honest. He's struggling with a lot of things going on. And when you know his story, you understand why he did. He's struggling. He's talking very honestly to God. And it's a beautiful dialogue of just being honest. But at the same time, finally get to the place where God says, okay, now I'm going to explain some things to you. I get it. I get a God. I get a Job. I get everything. But let me explain that I am God and you are not. And the folks, that is a hard. Boy, I am a great, such a great salesman today. Aren't I? Hey, follow him. First of all, things may get tougher. Secondly, you don't get to be in charge of your life, and you don't get to tell God how to do things because He's God and you're not. Uh, you might want to fire me on the spot because I'm, I'm not being very very encouraging there today. But I hope you know we can realize something. Now, okay, let, let's talk about God going forward. Remember we said it's, it's uh, about a, mile, a little bit over half a mile that he's ahead of him. I want you to keep that in mind too. There was to be that distance. I just want you to think about that with me for a second also that this distance was to be there. Pastor Josh has his t-shirt underneath his eagle shirt, I think. Uh, it says, Jesus is my homeboy. I had to look up homeboy, you know, because I'm not really up on my urban slang. When you first look it up, it's some of the things aren't good. <laughs> but now it has become, I, I, I'm sorry, I wrote this down actually just this morning. I wanted to make sure I had the epitome of a friend. So that's, I get that. It's, it's kind of weird. I put this slide in there on Tuesday, Thursday afternoon. I was behind a car that had this in the window. Jesus is my homeboy. Uh, like that. Now listen, Jesus is our friend. The Bible makes that, Jesus made that very clear. He said, I don't call you a slave. I don't call you a servant. I call you a friend. 
Okay, so that is incredibly important. But I do think it is worth us just taking a minute and saying, yes, he is my friend, but I need to remember who my friend is. Okay, let, let me say that again because I think that's significant. Yes, he is my friend, but I need to remember who my friend is. Our, our missionary to Hungary, Mark Patton, um, he's actually uh, the uncle to Kurt Chapman. Uh, I almost said Kurt Cameron. That's uh, I don't think he knows Kurt Cameron, but Kurt Chapman. Uh, but Mark, uh, when I started teaching, you know, I was 22 years old. He was a sophomore. So, you know, um, and we actually, though he was my student, we became good friends. He was good friends with my wife and I throughout his high school years, and then he was part of our college group, good friends. But I remember during his senior year, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, by that time I'm 24, he's the senior in high school, and all of a sudden he decided that I was no longer Mr. Thomas, but I was Dan. Uh, you know, he said, hey, you know, raise his hand in class, hey, Dan, uh, like that. Well, that didn't fly all that well uh, as, as far as that goes, but when you think about it, uh, I, again, I, yes, the, it is great to have a familiarity with Jesus and understand that he is my friend. And I hope you know that. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. I mean, what a privilege to carry everything to him. That's awesome. But I do want us to remember who our friend is, that he is still the God of the universe. And I want to say we are not on equal footing. Okay, and I think there's sometimes when, and that, that's why I say I love the book of Job because at the end, God's kind of stuff. I said, okay, let me remind you of something. I'm God. Yeah, let me just remind you. You don't get that. Remember the, the, the contrast of the gods in Psalm 115? They're all things man has made, and that's what we want to do. We want to make God be what we want God to be. Okay, so, uh, so the psalmist wrote, and he says, you can have that, but your God's worthless. Okay, so, uh, so, so there you go. So, I don't know, and by the way, if this is on your car in the parking lot, I'm not suggesting you scrape it off, whatever that means to you, but I do think there maybe there needs to be a caution of, yes, he is my friend, but he is God, and, and stay with that. And I, I thought about that with the following distance. The third thing, the command that um, is given there to the people is as they're going into the Jordan, consecrate. Another translation uses the word sanctify yourself. You might be familiar with this words. It has to do with the idea of being set apart for special uh, use. When you think about that, that uh, we have as the children of God, let's say it like this, a higher calling. I was uh, ref an upward game yesterday and um, one of the little fellows that was that was playing, he was getting shoved and pushed a little bit, and I wasn't calling enough of it, and that's my uh, own fault that I wasn't. But uh, he finally had had enough. So when the guy, he, the other guy, got the ball, he didn't you know casually bump into him. He just went boom. <laughs> the kid, kid went flying on the ground. I was like, okay, and and he kind of looked like he was about ready to cry. The kid that did it. So I walked over to him. I just said, I said, you can't do that. <laughs> stern word uh, and of course everything I say goes so next time down the court uh, the kid went up for a layup and again this kid <laughs> he doesn't make it look good at all he just shoves him uh, into the, and the kid goes flying on the ground so we had to stop the game and th that kid had to leave the game and and uh, like that and, and at timeout I went over there and I said hey buddy I said I know I said I will call it closer I know he was pushing you I said but you cannot do that and uh, after I got done that, the, the coach walked over behind me, and a uh, great coach. And uh, he walked over, and he said, hey, 
He said, this is going to be a good game. I need you. You're an important player. I need you to be focused on what we're doing here. We're playing basketball. I can't have you out there looking for a fight. I need you to focus on what we're doing. And I think that's somewhat what we're saying. Hey, what we are called to do as children of God is such a high calling. We need to get our focus. We need to set ourselves apart for what he has called us to do. Uh, that's going to talk about, you know, how important this is that we, uh, you know, realize that we have a higher calling in Christ Jesus. Maybe that call at times will mean that we need to be a little different. We need to be a little unique as God's people. I have loved the uh, watching different aspects of the story about Damar Hamlin, if you know who that is. He's a football player that a few weeks ago went down on the field, uh, had cardiac arrest, and, and he fell over, and, and everybody, you know, you saw everywhere pray for Damar and uh, supporting Damar, and I thought that was pretty good. I saw the clip of uh, Dan Orlowski, old Lions fans, remember him? Uh, but uh, he's a commentator now, and he stopped in the middle of his ESPN show, and he said, I think it's appropriate that we pray, and he led in prayer, and the two people with him said, yeah, we're, we're all over this. this. This is awesome. I've loved all that. I loved, uh, heard some of DeMar's testimony um, this week and, and loved that. I think that is awesome. I, I really do. I'm not taken away from that at all. But, you know, it is kind of <laughs> at this point, it's easy to be praying. You know, you know for, for them, even for Dan, I'm not, I'm not mocking him, but he, it's easy. it was easy to pray. Everybody was supporting him. I appreciate you know, maybe a Tim Tebow or a Tony Dungy that prayed when it wasn't popular and still said, I'm going to follow God. And that's going to be part of what we're called to do. And, and please don't take that wrong. I'm not mocking the prayers for DeMar Hamlin at all. I loved, I loved it and love seeing people coming together on that. But that what we're called to do sometimes, sometimes nobody's with us. Somebody, what we're going to do, sometimes what we're going to do is impossible. Uh, unpopular. But Joshua said you need to consecrate or you need to set apart yourself to God. Okay? That might mean in some cases that we are called to be a little different. Now, I'm going to blame my lousy sales job on God. Okay? Um, I looked at this passage and, you know, and when I first jumped in, I thought, Cross the Jordan, let's go. In fact, I had this picture of people getting their feet wet, and I was, I'll show you to, to you in a minute. I thought, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to jump in the water. You know, in fact, some of you remember the old Stephen Kerr's Chapman song, I'm diving in, I'm going deep. Uh, I want to play that, and everybody jump in. Uh, you know, let's fill up the baptistry. Okay, jump in, you know, get, get excited. You know, and instead I'm standing up and I'm saying, hey, listen, I cannot promise you a life of ease in following God. I can't do it. Okay, I cannot guarantee that, you know, things are going to be, you know, super smooth in your in your life and everything like that. But here's what I can promise you. I can promise that you will fight on the winning side, the side that ultimately wins. I can promise you that you will have a life with purpose that goes beyond this 70, 80, 90 years that we have here on this earth that goes into eternity. I can promise you uh, that uh, you will have obedience to your God, to your, to your king, king, stuff like that, and live a life uh, that is glorifying to him as we jump in, okay? So what I don't think we want to do at this point is just say, God, you got my number. You know, if, if you're trying to get a hold of me, you know where I am, okay? Um, you know, Give me a call, give me an email or something, God. I really do think it would be a good time for us to really stop and say, it's time to get our feet wet. 
Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask. I've, I've asked some different folks. I'm gonna pass out a little card with. Oh, you know, let me say this for a say. If you are a guest today. <laughs> <laughs> or even if you've just been coming for a little bit, please, we don't every week try to sign somebody up to work here. I was going to tell a story. Adam Clark uh, uh, is a good buddy of mine. Uh, he, I think the first Sunday he was here was about five years ago, something like that, four or five years ago. The poor guy came in. He and Jen came and visited, and uh, we were talking in the back afterwards. Pastor James and I were both talking to him, and somehow I think his wife blurted out that he played the guitar. And James and I looked at each other. The next Sunday, we knew we didn't have a guitar player. And we were like, should we? I don't know. He just walked in the door. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we did. Uh, hey, uh, what are you doing next Sunday? <laughs> and he's been up there ever since. Uh, but uh, won't let him go. But we don't normally do that, okay? This is not, uh, hey, they're, they're just trying to sign you up to build a church or anything like that. I really hope I, we can have that spirit of, you know, like I said, kind of shepherding and moving forward there. But some guys are going to jump up and just pass these out. Just take one. If you don't want it at all, take it and use it as a bookmarker. That's okay. But I want to talk to you about this for just a second because I want it to be rather specific. Specific. I'll give you. There you go. I'm not sure. Not only am I a lousy salesman, sometimes my organs. Uh, this is my section. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. He's getting his feet wet. He's um, going overboard. But um, I wanted to, to just talk to you, and, and again, please, uh, you know, this is not uh, in any way uh, pulling out the whip and saying, okay, come on, but uh, feeling like as a shepherd, I, I should mention some things. And I mentioned at the beginning in my prayer, originally I said uh, community, how, how we could plug in and support community, and then the more I thought about it, I don't, I don't really want to say that. I want to say your church, God, because I realize, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking over here actually just harassing Curtis. But, you know, somebody like Curtis that has a specific, I can't say that word, a specific call on his life to minister in the foster community. Actually, you're a lousy example because you're also very involved here. But, uh, but, but it may be that, uh, you know, he's so, you know, that there's somebody that, hey, my passion is really here and this is where God's leading me. And I don't want to say, I'm a huge believer in a local church, but I don't want to say, no, 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 okay, you serve here. So I, I, don't, I don't really want to be, be like that. But I did want to mention some things. Folks, every church in the world uh, can tell you that they need folks to help out in, in uh, children's ministry. And uh, I can promise you this. Marissa does a great job of making sure you have what you need uh, to do the job. So uh, if you say, hey, I, you know, maybe I'll get my feet wet in that. Just, you know, maybe I could help out, you know, to start off with or stuff like that. But that is an area where I could serve. You know, maybe that's something that you'd want to let us know about. Uh, Josh can use some more help with the teen ministry and, and folks plugging into that. Maybe you'd want to let him know. I mentioned we'd love to revive. We used to have a missions team. Uh, folks that stayed in contact with our missionaries and looked for new opportunities. Maybe plan some more missions trips for us. Things like that. Uh, local outreach reach, uh, you know, things like we do have coming up, got on the calendar, you know, something to help with the spa ministries again in Elkhart, but maybe that type of thing or an outreach event. I know people tell me great stories of the outdoorsman uh, banquets that they had here back in the day and everything, you know, something you'd say, man, I'd love to plan an event, you know, that we could invite folks to. Uh, I'd love to be part of a prayer team on a regular basis. Uh, maybe I'd be part, part of the greeter team in the morning, the security team, the worship team. Uh, maybe my next step is just I need to plug in and get to know some more people. I'd like to connect with a small group. Uh, I put the word discipleship up there. Um, 
I'm not sure everybody even knows we've started this mall on purpose, but uh, Josh and Hannah and some others with them, I know Chris and Stephanie, and I shouldn't start listing people because I'm going to miss people, but have a passion for having you know, smaller discipleship groups. And we have quite a few of them going now, uh, groups of three or four that meet, and they'll go through a, a study of a particular book, the Bible, or something like that. But maybe you'd say, I'd love to plug into that. Uh, so I wanted to give you this card so that, you know, now... <laughs> Can't leave the building without turning it in. I'm not like that at all. <laughs> Again, I'm a lousy salesman. I, I, I've been, you know, with a salesman. You know, well, offer's only good on the table today. It's not like that. Uh, but if that's something we're already, the Lord's kind of been talking to you, and think I, I, I really would like to plug in more. Maybe you want to make sure your car gets put in the box, the, the offering box, or you could come up here. We're going to sing in a few minutes. Maybe you want to just walk up, uh, set act before God, and set it on the table up, up here and say, hey, I'd be interested in serving in this way. And there's a couple of you. I'd say, no, you can't volunteer for anything else, okay? Because I'm not looking to, the, the whole idea is, is sharing the load as far as that goes so that one person or one group of people isn't doing everything. And the more we can do that uh, to the glory of God, that we advance the ministry and the gospel. Now, I got so many things I kind of want to make sure I say here in wrapping up, and I, I need to just wrap up. Um, we are going to sing again, guys. If you come on back up, we're going to sing that. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand. Uh, and you can think about that when it comes to the, uh, to the Jordan River, okay? Standing in your love. I'm march marching in there. But uh, we're, we're going to sing that. If, if you have, you know, like a follow-up question, uh, I'll take that. Or if you, uh, but if, if there's an area, what will happen with this is, you turn that in to us. Uh, there's a place on there for email, especially. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get back and say, hey, you know, what 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 could this look like for you? What what are you interested in? <laughs> yeah, what what what's my what's my issue? I don't know what it is. I I always want to apologize. You know, like I don't want to be you know like, but I hope you know, um, I'm not like, well, I want to build the biggest church in North America. <laughs> Be kind of funny here in Edwardsburg, uh, but uh, the uh, but I but as I say, Lord, how would you have me to shepherd? This is an area that I feel God has really laid on my heart is just to do more encouraging of people to get their feet wet, okay, with the feet and like that. So uh, so that is very much my heart. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing about. We need a different slide up there. I don't like that one. The feet. Uh, get, go back to my feet. No, never mind. You don't need to put the feet up there. People told me that was a weird-looking slide and grosses people out with the feet. Uh, but uh, let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and, and sing uh, this. Uh, if you stand with me as we pray, uh, Father, yeah, I feel... Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to say this, Lord. I feel like the service didn't really crescendo here. Kind of was like, okay, how, how are we stopping? But bottom line is, yeah, the... Read verse this week, and I know I'm kind of talking to them and talking to you, God, at the same time, but uh, it talked about uh, people that you moved in their hearts, building an army of people that you moved in their hearts. And um, I think I was in Samuel, Lord, and I thought, that's it. That's it. I, I don't want people that are called by me. I want people that you've moved in their hearts with a desire to serve you more. And, um, yeah, so I... I'll shut up on that, Lord, because that's all I really want to say. As we praise you now, Lord, thank you that we have an opportunity to do that again. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church.
You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.